ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. That sound you hear, that, well, that splishing and sploshing, that's me wading in the rather chilly waters of Port Phillip, just near the heads into Bass Strait. It's the beautiful city of Greater Geelong. And over there, poking up just below the surface and just above it like some set of alien creatures, well, it's not that. It's a, a wave break installed by some very clever and creative people. It's a new approach to coastal defence. I'm almost with them. They are going to tell me all about it. Hey there. I'm Alex. Nice to meet you. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming down. What beautiful noises this is making. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so tell me where we are. Um, so this is Clifton Springs. So this is the, called the Dell. Um, so we've actually got Ralph here from Geelong City Council as well. He yep. sort of lives locally and these are his daughters. So this is Becky as well from the University of Melbourne. Guys, hello. Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Ralph and hey, Becky. Jonathan. How do you do? Hi, Good, nice thanks. to meet you. Well, what a wonderful thing. Yeah. Great project, Ralph. Oh, it's, a, it's a wonderful um, place, the Dell. The Dell's very popular with, um, with locals and visitors. What was the problem you were trying to fix? We've noticed over, uh, through a review of historic aerial uh, imagery, the narrowing and reduction of the width of the beach. Um, we believe that it could be anecdotally, there's evidence that um, there was a lot of um, shell extraction from the beach in, as far back as the 1930s, and that may have made the whole uh, the beach environment less stable. Shell extraction, that's, that's not just people picking them up? No, <laughs> no, on an industrial scale. Right. So um, shell was bag, bagged up, taken away for, for various uses, yep. But um, basically the, the carbonate in the shell has many, many different uses. And you're trying to, with this reef, I guess, stabilise the, the erosion that you've been seeing along the well, foreshore? Well, that's the downstream effect. Um, okay. The reef is really just primarily to reduce wave energy and wave height and that um, has a, um, a flow-on effect in terms of stabilising the beach and it has a, uh, creates a, if you like, a wave shadow where sediment, suspended sediment mm. that, that moves up and down the coast can actually settle out and increase the, the amount of sand on the beach and, and thereby broadening the beach good outcome is is this something of a, a trial i mean this is a, a long stretch of coast here which must have a similar similar issues there are similar issues we trialed another reef um about 10 kilometers away from here up near port arlington four years well five years ago it was installed and that's that's performed very very well in terms of broadening the beach there's a lot more sand on the beach in the mm. in the the lee of the the reef it has been, um, these techniques have been used right around the world in um, various degrees of success. So we're not, uh, we're not... Not reinventing the wheel. Not reinventing the wheel, <laughs> we're, we're, but we're borrowing from, from the learnings of other, um, other such But you're making some pretty cool stuff. Oh, that's, not, uh, that's not me, that's uh, more so um, 
Alex and uh, his wonderful designs and um, we, we, we gave him a very broad brief in terms of just a basic um, size, height yep. and uh, wanted uh, Alex to come back with something that was uh, I guess sympathetic to the marine environment. So that, that brief in size and height, that's determined by the outcomes you... Uh, determined by, yes, the amount of um, bulk we wanted to introduce into the shallow near shore water to reduce wave height. But um, colleagues of, of Becky through the University of Melbourne and University of um, Western Australia did some modelling on the shape, size, the okay. bulk of the reef to see, yeah. to have a look at uh, and actually quantify the effect of the wave reduction. Is it, is it reproducing a, a pre-existing structure out here? Was there a, were there earlier reefs of this type? Uh, probably not in terms of rocky reefs, but we understand that there was a, um, quite broad areas of shellfish reef. Okay. Throughout Port right. Phillip Bay, that has since um, been there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So part of the the the, the research that that Becky's doing through um, or with the University of Melbourne is to is to look at ways that that um, or those types of shellfish reef could be um, reintroduced. Okay. And that's probably more typical to the other reef that we installed uh, so five years ago. Different style of structure. Totally different. Yeah. yeah. Let's go and have a look. <laughs> wow. They are wonderful shapes. What's what's the Becky, what what's the material? I think you should ask Alex. Alex. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gather around everybody. Describe this for me, Alex. Yeah, so we've used, this is like a marine concrete, um, and the way that we moulded these, we used a digital uh, manufacturing process mm -hmm. to create a, uh, a, a 3D printed mould, essentially. Um, and we've been able to use traditional precasting techniques to produce these shapes. So, I mean, our studio really looks at how we can optimise the design to create things like rock pools and various kind of uh, crevices, for the different species that we get here to colonize uh, but we've also looked at you know how we can reduce the amount of material by and also still maintain the bulk that's needed for the wave attenuation i mean the shape is broadly circular there's a, there's a large base it's probably what a couple of meters in, in in diameter and that rises to this little dome yeah exactly dome so we needed that width to make sure the units were Stays stable yes. so we get that one in 50 year storm they're not going to sort of shift what's, around what's the weight of each of them each one's about 1.8 ton okay it should so stay there. i think it'll be fine we've also <laughs> <laughs> we've had the units actually stabilized to the ground using some um right manta ray anchor systems um not taking any chances there but yeah but the design is really also it, it, it's it it's there's been created this way so that people can snorkel around the units. So yes. traditional wave breaks are really very flat and they're not they're not that porous. But these these pods are staggered, aren't they? There's exactly. The space between them. And that's so people can come down here and snorkel. So I think we're right. really interested in how you know you can get these multi-use, multi-benefits with these these bits of we, we essential hear, infrastructure. We're here at pretty low tide. A high tide there, how far under the water? Yes, yeah, so I think high tide comes up to about here. Um, so, so you can really snorkel around them at high tide. That would, that would cover them by the best part of a metre of water. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, like coming down here at high tide, we've sort of created this 
bit of like essential infrastructure to attenuate waves and also a snorkeling destination. So, nice. you know, I think that's what we should start do do with all our marine infrastructure to build in this habitat and build in interesting niches for people to come and snorkel. How long have they been in? So these have been in now for about uh, it's about four five months now. September twenty six. Yeah. Okay. Because they've, they've they've settled in, aren't they? They've, yeah, they've covered no, in absolutely. weed and little shellfish. I mean, they're they're becoming part of the environment. Yeah, and that's exactly what we want. You know, we want these to really start to fuse into the environment, so mm. they don't look. I think they're always going to look man-made, and we're not we're not designing them to. But they look man-made in a really good way. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> I think you know if they're going to be you know man-made we need to do it in a way that they fuse into the environment as it, much as possible well and i've seen i mean similar sort of projects like this i mean not similar probably but you see you know jumbles of rock or or, or concrete lumps sort of in, in, in mounds and piles groins of them out to sea yeah and i mean which look, is less appealing yeah i mean that's you know a really effective sort of way of of engineering the coast but i mm. think especially if you're going to use concrete concrete is a liquid material before yeah. it's set so why not create you know these fascinating shapes um, that have multiple benefits. And, you, and for those who don't know your work, you've been doing this with 3D printing in various materials in all sorts of marine environments for all sorts of uses. Yeah, so we, we've been doing a bit of work with coral gardening. Uh, we're part of the Living Seawalls team, which is very similar, similar to this. Kind of thing, yeah. yeah, working with all kinds of marine infrastructure. Um, yeah, we're working on another project with Becky to do with coastal defence. So yeah, we're th there's so many interesting opportunities in in this area and um, yeah we're trying to bring design to it basically they're very cool <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding it hard to describe them I'm they're... glad you finally come down here <laughs> well yeah is it taken a while <laughs> no 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 <laughs> they'll be here for the next well, well 10 20 30 years how so. long do they last what's your well I mean look we've designed these to have a minimum life of, of a, you know 30 years um, but I think one of the advantages of the way that we designed them is we used stainless steel 316 lifting lugs so these could always be shifted in the future if if need be if okay. it was deemed that um, you know another area was more important to be protected or if they needed to be removed for whatever so how many how many of them here so we've installed 47 here um, a particular pattern well yeah so ralph was in charge of creating the pattern and what do you um, call the pattern ralph it's like a bit of a serpentine snake eyes <laughs> <laughs> yeah serpent shape there you go but I mean, I think even the shape that Ralph, you know, put them in is yes. is really nice and unique because normally yeah. these sort of structures are just engineered in straight lines. And I mean, obviously, mm. that's exactly what we don't want to do with this sort of infrastructure. And there's no particular reason why it has to be that to get your effect, surely. It doesn't have to be straight, it can be curved. No, the basic, um, the basic geometry is associated with it being loosely parallel to shore. Right and an effective distance offshore. So it's not um, not too close and yet not too far to be ineffective in, in reducing wave height. Becky, tell me about your, your project here, the sort of the, the academic interest here. Yeah, so um, a lot of the work in our lab looks at how we can integrate engineering with ecology. Mm -hmm. So we look at how we can design these types of structures so that they work from both the wave attenuation perspective, but also provide habitat for, for species. 
and a lot of our species of focus has been shellfish because like Ralph said the shellfish globally have experienced an 85% loss um, wow. our native Australia Angazi the flat oyster in Port Phillip Bay less than 1% remains now nobody talks about that no it is lost in the memories of Australians unfortunately so yeah with European colonization there was mass destruction of oyster reefs. We know that indigenous Australians used them for tens of thousands of years before through the shell middens and within 50 years they were gone. Um, and yes, they're effectively lost from our living memory. So is there a plan to, to repopulate these, this area actively or is it just left a natural process? So part of our research, um, so there's a student, another postdoc in the lab working on this reef as well. Um, so we're actually actively seeding this reef with both mussels and oysters. Oh. Um, so we have the mussels already on the reef, you can see so there's some patches on some of the modules and we should get oysters in the next few weeks or so. Then you've got to convince people to keep their cotton picking hands off them, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I guess it would be nice if in, you know, X number of years time, you, we have a nice self-sustaining shellfish population on these reefs. And then yeah. potentially that we would get other ecosystem services like water filtration and all the biodiversity um, benefits that shellfish reefs provide, but potentially sustainable harvesting as well. Um, but yeah, until then, <laughs> we would like them to stay put on the reef um, yeah to be able to establish that that population um, so yeah we're testing different heights we're putting them in different microhabitats um, to look at where they survive best on these so that we can inform future projects um, about how to design them best for shellfish. And what's your sense of it so far how well is it going? So the mussels we've been put on have only been on for about a month now and there's quite a few surviving. Can you show me? Uh, yes, there's some over here. So, this one would have had a few put on here. Okay. So with the mussels... So just describe the technique there. So with the mussels, they can actually... Um, so all shellfish, they are larvae when they start floating around in the water and then they attach to a hard surface and grow. Mussels can actually reattach and attach themselves because they have these little threads that they can grow. They're called bissel threads that they use to attach themselves to the rock. And so we can actually transplant mussels by taking them off something else, putting them onto our modules here, and then just putting a bit of mesh over them for a few weeks right. and then removing that mesh once they've attached. Oysters are a little bit trickier because once they've attached, they can't be moved. They cement to a structure. Um, so with the oysters, what we're actually going to do is um, epoxy them onto the reef, which would be is obviously quite time-consuming and not necessarily scalable. Mm. But it's it, at this point we're testing it's methods. Sort of a proof of concept. Proof of concept, yep. and then um, yeah, ideally we would be looking at um, seeding a recruitment stage um, for oysters. What a great project! Aren't they wonderful shapes? <laughs> They yes, they're very complex, and that's the big issue yes. with coastal infrastructure. Normally, is that they're these lots of flat, nooks and crannies. Yes, they look. They contain the nooks, the types of nooks and crannies that you would expect on a natural. But they're very sort of science fictiony. They're like they're from another world. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> you happy with the way this is shaping up, Alex? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, we've been getting a lot of uh, people coming to snorkel and um, I think Ralph's girls are probably We, we have representatives of the local snorkeling community on hand, actually. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's ask. Hello. Hi. So as a snorkeling spot, what's the, how does this, how does it rate? It's very, very good. Um, there's a lot of wildlife that is living on the reefs and it's really cool to see. We, um, we shined a torch into the taller ones, into the middle of the cave thing, and there was heaps of little shrimp swimming oh, wow. around. That was really cool. Because they're, they're really intricate little objects, aren't they? There's lots, yeah. lots of spaces there for all the critters to, to yeah. come and go and hide. Yeah, they're very well designed. Um, the Around the bottom of them, um, we saw a lot of big, big crabs, which okay. were really cool. So yeah, the, the, despite the fact that it all looks pretty quiet now, once the tide yeah. comes in and you're out there, down there underneath with it all, the, the thing comes to life. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Great spot. You need your wetsuit though. Yes, it's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> well, bravo everybody. What a yeah, no thanks. I mean, it's really, um, <laughs> you know, I think great effort by Ralph to get this in. And it was, yeah, it's taken quite a few years and there's been a lot of people involved. So it's, it's a... These processes a, just don't happen, do they? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, there's a lot of processes that need to, um, you know, a lot of boxes that need to be ticked for good reason. Um, I think, yeah, you know, marine coastal defence is a pretty conservative area. Um, but uh, I think this is a great step forward with what, yeah. you know, potentially could be done in the future. And Council Ralph, all around it, they, they were sort of, did take convincing or what was the, what was the long tail there? How, how long has it taken through the Council to, to get this happening? Uh, council are very supportive of protecting our coast. Yeah. Um, they're also, I think, the point of difference with a lot of other um, organisations are that they really encourage um, um, innovation, and sometimes that can that can come with a risk. But um, mm. I think uh, engaged, you know, the right people, um, you know, such as Alex and the Reef Design Lab, to come up with a product that we're really proud of and has been um, very well accepted by the the community and the big add-on is the the research that um, that the University of Melbourne are undertaking yeah. it really validates what we're trying to achieve here can I also add that that um, uh, the city of Greater Geelong really promotes sustainable um, use of materials and in this case we've used um, we've used recycled shell from a local shell grit processing plant uh, to be used as the aggregate instead of just using um, crushed rock okay. and as well as Alex went to the next step of sourcing a byproduct called fly ash that we used um, that he used instead of cement it's a great reduction in, in in the energy used to produce standard cement product and fly ash is a byproduct that is um, is quite readily available well, that's pretty cool development too. I love the idea of the shell as aggregate. It's yeah, and you can actually see a great example of it just here. So, okay, all right. yes. you know, we, we had the surface of these units sandblasted by the precaster we work with, yep. and um, 
you know, this has been great because you can see it, it sort of opens up all these pores in the shell and creates another great sort of uh, crevice for whatever's colonizing to take hold, you know, potentially oysters and mussels. Mm. So, Did you design the shapes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm responsible for that, yeah. Um, oh, they're, they're, they're quite beautiful. They're this... They, they seem so man-made and yet there's something organic about them. They're like a, a cross-section of some sort of a creature. They're... Yeah, and I think that's right. We're not trying to, you know, kind of replicate a reef. You mm. know, like like the, the shape of what you would naturally have down here. Where We're not trying to sort it's of fake art, it Alex, and create... It's art. Well, exactly. I think that's what's <laughs> kind of important. Um, you know, we, we don't want to try to pretend that they're not man-made. They yeah. are, um, but I think the way that we've designed it, it, it certainly is sympathetic to the environment, and you can see that by how quickly it's it's being colonised and how quickly it's starting to look really natural. It's like a sort of, a, you know, a Barcelona reef. It's got yeah, absolutely. organic structure idea about it. That is a great compliment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, congratulations to everybody. What a... What an inspiring project. Yeah, no, thanks so much. What's next? Um, I mean, look, hopefully more of these kind of <laughs> reefs. Uh, hopefully, you know, more councils can take it up and follow the uh, great example that the City of Greater Geelong have, um, you mm. know, done with this project. And, uh, yeah, I think the future's hopefully quite bright in the area of coastal defence. Coastal defence. That's a, that's a good expression. <laughs> I mean, you can kind of see as well, you know, exactly how the modules are working with, you know, this very small wave energy that's coming through. Yeah. And, you know, how much calmer it is on this side. On the side. other side, yeah. Um, huh. So, yeah. And, you know, we're able to achieve that still with a highly porous structure, which is... Yes, I mean, water, water can flow through these is, is the point, and that's although still, it breaks the wave pattern. And that's still kind of, in, you know, that's important for the ecology as, right, as well, right, Becky? Yes, yeah, so I think the porosity of these structures would have contributed a lot to the wave attenuation potential, but also, yeah, the porosity increases the habitat surface area, um, all of the different types of microhabitats present in these structures um, just to provide greater areas for colonization. Um. It's very cool. And I managed to come out and see it without falling flat on my face in the water and destroying it. <laughs> you still got to get gear. back in. <laughs> <laughs> still yeah, time. Lab, it's right. Tide's coming up. <laughs> All right. Thank see you. Us. And that was industrial designer Alex Goad from Reef Design Lab, coastal engineer Ralph Rube from Geelong City Council and Ralph's daughter, 13-year-old Virginia Lee Rube. Uh, Becky Morris was there too from the University of Melbourne. Uh, now I'm going to turn around and fighting the incoming tide wade my way home. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.